Well, hello everyone. Welcome to our new series called The Awakened Church. And we're going to be exploring the Book of Acts. I want to encourage you to get a cup of coffee, uh, to get your Bible, to get a commentary on the Book of Acts or to order a commentary on the Book of Acts. And we're going to be delving and journeying through this book and exploring some themes and some ideas that can really help us to be the awakened church in our time and in our day. The book of Acts was written by Luke and of course he wrote the gospel according to Luke and then this is his second book. And really it's an account of Jesus' continued ministry for today by his spirit through men and women just like you and I. Calvin called it a vast treasure. Martin Lloyd-Jones exhorts us to live in this book for it is a tonic, the greatest tonic I know of the realm of the spirit. It is a stunning, stunning book and I'm so excited that we're gonna be journeying through it. We see in this book from the very beginning, the birth of the church, this ripple effect of God's spirit, first being outpoured on the day of Pentecost as Ellie talked to us about last week, and then we see the birth of a spirit-filled community, which is everything that we long to be as a church. And then severe opposition comes, but out of all of that, there's conversions, mission, church planting, signs and wonders, worldwide mission is launched, Cyprus evangelized, Europe reached, the gospel spread to the strategic cities of the Roman world. It is an amazing, amazing account of what happens when the Spirit of God gets hold of people and the effect that it has on the rest of the world. I think this season we are in as a church communicates to us is that we don't want to be involved in anything that isn't urgent nor important. I think what we're experiencing right now is helping the church to focus again on what is so important and what we are here on planet earth to actually do in our time and in our day. I've just resolved in my heart, and I don't know about you, that I don't want to go anywhere where he isn't leading. I don't want to do anything that he hasn't ordained. I don't want to chase things or chase people that he hasn't purposed to be in my life. If God is in it, I'm in it. And if he's not, then I'm not. The psalmist teaches us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I think as often with uh, tragedy or persecution or discomfort, what they redemptively do is it causes the church to actually wake up, to wake up. This was written at the time of the Welsh Revival in 1904, where a move of God transformed a nation and impacted many other nations of the world. And I wanna read this eyewitness account to you of that time. It is ever the darkest hour before the dawn. The nation always seems to be given over to the evil one before the coming of the Son of Man. The decay of religious faith, the deadness of the churches, the atheism of the well-to-do, the brutality of the masses, all these, when at their worst, herald the approach of the revival. Things seem to get too bad to last. The reign of evil becomes intolerable. Then the soul of the nation awakes. I believe that the heart of um, pain and loss and injustice that we're seeing and feeling right now the soul of a nation will awake, but that starts in the church. Only a fully 
awakened church can change a community. Imagine you're in a deep sleep and then suddenly someone just throws a cold cup of water on your face and it causes you to awake from your slumber, awake from your sleep. And I believe the church is having a huge cup of cold water being thrown on it and it is causing the church to awaken to new life, to a new day, to new innovation and creativity and possibilities and an opportunity to impact cities like we've never seen before. And also it causes us to really look at the main and plain of who we are as a church and what we're called to do. And for us as the Vineyard Church here in Hull, we want to spend our days calling people home through the Spirit's power, the preaching of the gospel, leading countercultural lives with a priority of God's heart for compassion and mercy and justice. We want to welcome people home. For those of you who drive and uh, you're stationed and you're about to um, depart, is that sometimes looking in your rearview mirror isn't enough, that you actually have to look over your shoulder, you have to look um, to avoid a blind spot, and uh, you look back to then depart and move forward. And what we want to do in this series is kind of look back. We want to look back at the early church in order to advance. We want to look back at what are some of those major things, those major themes, those major concepts that they experienced, that they went on, which are the hallmarks of a spirit-filled community that will really help us in this time so we can focus on what is urgent and we can focus on what is important. We want to look back at the early church, which was definitely fully awake and fully alive and growing. And we, in a sense, want to uh, look into that to recapture something of its confidence, of its enthusiasm, of its vision and of its power. It was a spirit-filled church. And really, I want to start off this week by just uh, elevating that idea that this church was a spirit-filled community. Jesus's church had now been overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. There's a film that um, as a kid I used to love and to be honest I still love and it's called Annie. Uh, don't judge me. And um, in 1977 Charles Strauss and a man named Martin Charnin wrote the lyrics to this very well-known tune. The sun will come out tomorrow Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there will be sun. Just thinking about tomorrow clears away the cobwebs and the sorrow until there's none. When I'm stuck with a day that's grey and lonely, I'll just stick up my chin and grin and say, Oh, the sun will come out tomorrow. So you will have to hang on till tomorrow, come what may. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. You're only a day away. Now, this is an accomplished composer writing this song. Broadway for a play called Annie and of course we may have seen the old film or many of you may have seen the latest film and he's talking about a character the character Annie who is an orphan but it was all about infusing her life with optimism that transcended her circumstances the coming of the Holy Spirit could be yes um, ransoming us from the type of spiritual orphans we are and bring us into a home where there is a deep and abiding optimism that transcends our circumstances. But in her life, in the film and in that song about tomorrow, 
it paints a picture of what the whole theme and sweep of scripture is about where we see tomorrow finally coming the hope the longing the aching for tomorrow arrives in john 14 jesus promising the holy spirit says this in verse 18 i will not leave you as orphans i will come to you the coming of the spirit was the arrival of what many had longed for tomorrow had finally arrived and this is what we read about at the beginning chapters of the book of acts let me put it another way for those who don't like annie but love holidays and i'm sure like me you're all looking forward to potentially some kind of summer holiday in the next few months but imagine you've planned your holiday you've budgeted you've got the insurance you've got the maps uh, you've done the packing you've uh, figured out where you want to go, you've gone on TripAdvisor, you've looked on the internet, you've looked in holiday brochures, you've saved, and then you take the journey, and it's chaos, and you take the wrong turn, and uh, one of your kids in the back seat is sick, and then you arrive. You arrive at your holiday destination. Utter relief. You've arrived, you've survived the journey with the kids, the promise of the holiday has now come to pass. The holiday has started now project that journey on a scale 2000 years long and instead of a holiday imagine a moment long promised for planned of dreamed over prophesied over hoped for this is what we see in the bible we see in scripture the spirit's activity building this optimism spirit in creation infrequently and selectively on uh, people in the Old Testament, on priests and prophets and kings, God's spirit dwelling in the temple. The psalmist dreaming of a day of his coming power. Isaiah said, I'll pour out my spirit on my descendants. Jeremiah talks about God's law being written on our hearts, not on tablets of stone. Ezekiel says, I'll put my spirit in you. Joel prophesied that the spirit will be poured out on all flesh. John the Baptist talks about Jesus, that he will come and baptise you with fire. Jesus is baptised by the Spirit. Luke says, wait in the city to you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus says in Acts 1 that when you receive power, which is dynamite, it will be because the Spirit has come upon you. They waited centuries, the apostle waited days then it says when the day of pentecost came they were all together in one place suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them all of them were filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them peter then says this this is that we are here this is the now experience for the church. This is the fulfillment of the optimism, of the longing, of the hoping. The holiday is here. In Hebrews it says, on us has come the power of the age to come. Tomorrow has arrived. Paul writes in Corinthians, we are those upon whom the ends of the age have come. A new age has dawned, the beginning of the end, a new day and a new chapter, a new era. This is where we begin in the book of Acts. And the Holy Spirit has been poured out. It says, 
Um, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And that word pour literally means to pour. It is a torrential rain in a parched, dry land. It is like a tropical rainforest, not a drizzle or a shower or a drip. It is like torrential rain. And we need this outpouring of the spirit in our day if we're going to see transformation in our cities. And it's amazing. It's gone from a few to all. The distribution of the Spirit has, has been on a few, now it's upon all flesh. It is for everyone. There's a universality of distribution. What has been poured out can never be gathered in again. It's no respecter of background or colour. And this is especially prevalent in what we are witnessing today with the injustice in our world. At Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out, Luke was at pains to emphasise the cosmopolitan character of the crowd with reference to every nation under heaven. When they spoke in other tongues and languages, nothing could have demonstrated more the multiracial, multinational, multilingual nature of the kingdom of God. This is so important. The blessing of Pentecost was a deliberate and dramatic reversal of the curse of Babel we read about in Genesis chapter 11. At Babel, human languages were confused and the nations were scattered. In Jerusalem, the language barrier was supernaturally overcome. And as they spoke in other tongues, as a sign that the nations would now be gathered together in Christ, prefiguring this great day of the coming kingdom we read about in Revelation. And this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. We long for this coming kingdom. And this is our um, longing of our hearts and the goal of a disciple of Christ is to welcome the coming kingdom now, to see heaven and this future kingdom broken into our lives now. No barrier, it is for everyone. It's not ageist, it's not sexist, it's not elitist. All barriers have been removed. All flesh in the Greek means all flesh. Do you hear God's heart of longing and expectation? And we don't wade now. We don't wait now. We wade in the water. Let me just personalise this for a moment. Have you experienced this overwhelming power and presence of the Holy Spirit? Have you experienced this? Do you know this? Do you know in your heart of hearts the Holy Spirit filling you to such a degree is that almost everything changes in your life. The reality of the person and the presence of God in your life and in your heart, this things that you struggled to maybe do just is there's a new ease about it. There's a, a fresh courage, there's a new boldness, there's fresh vision, there's fresh power in all that you do. We need to tap into this. We need the Holy Spirit. And the Bible encourages us in the book of Ephesians to continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at that next week. But I, as we just come to finish this for this week, I just want to allow you just to have a sneak preview of God's heart that we see in the beginning stages of the book of Acts on this day of Pentecost about the coming spirit and how much if we want to be an awakened church, a church that's fully alive, then the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit 
must be first and foremost. You may think, because it's often our practice that uh, as we gather as a church and in home groups and in prayer meetings is, is that we welcome the Spirit and we get to see the Spirit do a number of things among us. And, and though we can't gather right now, we're scattered just like the church in the book of Acts, is I want to encourage you right where you are on your daily walk, in your bedroom, um, just wherever you are, where you can find a place just to connect with God and just say, Lord, I need you. God always responds to hunger and thirst. Whatever we make room for in life is what we get. And just say, Holy Spirit, I want to know you more. Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit, I don't want to grieve you. I don't want to quench you. I want to experience you. I want to encounter you. And I want to encourage you to start spending more and more time just to rest in the presence of God, to have expectation of the Spirit and to know that we don't need to um, think about maybe some of the things of inferiority and of fear and of doubt, but actually to see the heart of Scripture saying, this is for you, this is for me, and it is for now. God bless you all.